I went back through old episodes the other day and realized we started doing the Total Tuscany podcast in 2014. Most of these interviews are timeless, like our conversation with Dario Cicchini in episode 43. They are also informative and helpful, like episode 14 in our interview with Ann McAlpin, who teaches us how to properly pack for an Italian holiday. If you are new to the Total Tuscany podcast or just want to listen to older episodes, go to TotalTuscany.com, click on Current Episodes, and then on the right side of the page, there is a Podcast Archives button. Click on it, and you will go back in time. Do you want to go to Tuscany but don't know where to start? Well, we are here to help. Drop us an email, TotalTuscany at gmail.com. The last thing you want or can afford is to be stressed out about where you will stay. Can you really do it all in a short amount of time? Well, we work with some of the best Italian-based travel planners and guarantee you are going to have the time of your life. So start planning your Tuscany trip today, totaltuscany at gmail.com. Make sure to follow the Total Tuscany podcast on whatever platform you listen on. This way, you know right away when a new episode is out. And if you have time, give us a five-star rating and write a review. We love to see your feedback. Follow Total Tuscany on social media. Just search Total Tuscany on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter. This is the Total Tuscany Podcast, episode 85. We know what the numbers are like, and uh, and we also know, you know, what the, the value of, of this sector is in Florence and in the surrounding areas. I mean, I think they say, we know that there's something like 40,000 uh, residents in, in the, the consular area of, of Florence and Emilia-Romagna, that's American residents, you know, people who who stay and, and sort of remain and, and help the economy. But it, it's a huge sector and it's growing. And uh, I think we can look to the future of real uh, anticipation as to what that will bring. Also because the, the city of Florence is investing heavily, it's a strategy. Uh, that they are using towards the future. They really want to, you know, take old buildings that have remained a bit derelict, there's a few of those, and try and convert them into into hubs of, of education and learning. That is Helen Farrell, editor-in-chief of The Florentine, an English news magazine in Florence. She's talking about the influence of the study abroad programs in Florence, and really all of Italy for that matter. You always hear the stories, kids come to study, and they never leave. The truth is, many more adults from America are finding a home in Tuscany as well, and that's why you're going to enjoy our conversation. Pat, I said in the open, we have been podcasting since 2014. Does that seem possible? 2014, we in February of 2014, we did our very first podcast. That's a long time. That is a very long time. Now, we will be 100% transparent and vulnerable here. Uh, this is our 85th episode, I believe it is. We should have a lot more. And I look back, like 2014, we, were, we, we came out of the gate fast. We were doing podcasts all the time. And then you realize that while well, producing content is is very hard and just mixing up schedules and, and trying to get people from, from Italy to time up with uh, our time zones is is, is an arduous task at some time. And COVID kind of threw us a little y- bit of a curveball. You know, our biggest lapse in time was COVID, right? I mean, COVID uh, uh, did a, a lot of things to a lot of people when that probably would have been the ideal time to podcast because you had a lot of people in Italy who were locked down, mm-hmm. probably wanting that, that, that human 
human interaction and and wanting to tell stories. Uh, so we, we didn't take advantage of that. But we now know because COVID is is on the tail end or at least, you know, o- opening things back up that people are starting to travel again and, and, and looking forward to, to going to Italy and being in Italy. Yeah. And stories. It's all about the stories. I, I love to hear the story. I And our next guest that's what they do for a living. Well, they, they, they really do. And we'll talk more about uh, the Florentine Magazine at the end of the podcast. But uh, Helen Farrell is on the podcast for her second time. The last time she was here was not really about the Florentine or really even telling stories about Florence. It was the Crazy for Potsy uh, crowd fundraiser, which was helped raise money for the, the, the restoration of the Potsy Chapel, which if you get to Florence, make sure to go to the Santa Croce and go see the Potsy Chapel because the renovation and the restoration that took place is spectacular. It's, it's really, really well done. Yes, very much so. But Helen is the editor-in-chief of the Florentine magazine. It's an all-English written uh, magazine that was founded by a couple of Americans back in the early 2000s and is still flourishing today, offering, you know, Italian news in an English format. And there's so much coming up uh, in the fall and even ahead for the Florentine. And that's why Helen Farrell is joining us now on the Total Tuscany podcast. we talked we were actually doing the uh the the fundraising the crowd uh funding for the potsy chapel that was several years ago uh i I guess how is everything going with you how is everything going with the with the florentine well i mean yeah this that that was quite a while ago when we were doing crazy for patsy you know i I feel like i've got several several more wrinkles than i had back then and uh life is good you know it's it's not been easy as an independent publication in Italy during the pandemic, as it hasn't been easy for, for businesses all over the world. But um, we survived, we're here, and I would I think we're actually thriving now, I would say. So things are looking good. Um, we're looking towards September with, with real uh, optimism as we press forward. This has become the age of collaboration. Uh, so we're, we're working on several different fronts to do lots of lots of new things um, with the, with the start of the season again after after the summer. Is there any project coming up on your radar screen that you'd like to talk about? <laughs> There's quite a few things. I mean, something that we're working on at the moment is um, the study abroad scene. You know, it's it's huge the international education sector in Florence, and we recently published a book. Uh, a guidebook um, about studying abroad. So everything you need to know if you're thinking of moving to Florence for a month, three months, a year as a student, uh, all of that useful information is in this guidebook that we've put together. So that's something we'll be we'll be working on in the coming months because um, we found out that the, the figures for, for 2023 are 10% higher in terms of enrollment than, than pre-pandemic levels. So... You know, Florence is looking good for people who want to come and study here, and we're trying to ride that wave along with the schools and the the international universities. Has there ever been like a study or anything to see like how many people go there and study and well never leave? They they say, you know what, Florence is home. This is this is where I want to stay. I mean, it's happened to us all, right? I have to say, not me. You know, I came here to work. I never had the luxury of actually studying and having that time at weekends to to travel around, but. Um, 
yeah, I mean, we know the we know what the numbers are like, and uh, and we also know, you know, what the the value of of this sector is in Florence and in the surrounding areas. I mean, I think there's so we know that there's something like forty thousand uh, residents in in the the consular area of, of Florence and Emilia Romagna. That's American residents, you know, people who who stay and, and sort of remain and, and help the economy. But it, it's a huge sector and it's growing. And uh, I think we can look to the future of real um, anticipation as to what that will bring. Also, because the, the city of Florence is investing heavily, it's a strategy uh, that they are using towards the future. They really want to you know, take old buildings that have remained a bit derelict, there's a few of those, and try and convert them into, into hubs of, of education and learning. That, that's fascinating. My daughter is actually getting ready to do a study abroad, uh, I think in December. She's going to do Ireland, but her plan is then after that semester to spend the summer in Italy. Now, she's a public relations major, so I may be calling you and say, hey, Helen, do you have any summer uh, employment for a for a young American uh, woman? Well, just reach out. I mean, you know, we're here. That's what we do. I mean, we don't do anything in the summer. You know that, right? We close for two weeks in August. <laughs> you know, it's far too high. It's it's about forty two degrees outside. It's it's absolutely roasting. You know, Europe is really suffering right now with the, the this is, with this heat wave. And there's um, you know, I'm joking about the heat, but I mean, it's absolutely awful. The the climate change that we're seeing, it's extreme. I mean, up in uh, up in, uh, in on the the coast uh, near Viareggio, uh, there's a there's a fire underway in the Massarosa area near Luca, and it's just absolutely awful. They're really struggling to get it under control. And I, I know this is something you know that we see all over the world, but for us, it's quite new to actually see wildfires burning quite so out of control. And um, you know, our thoughts are with everybody out there near Luca because they they really are you know they're being evacuated and the situation is very extreme. You, you bring something up, and that is it's something new. You know, whether it's in the United States in Wyoming or California or the mountain states where wildfires uh, happen uh, quite frequently, they have the the resources to try to you know fight those fires. Does Italy have the resources to, 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 to combat those fires in any way, or is this like, just let it burn? Yeah, I mean, we're, I think Italy is quite fortunate in that we, we have this um, volunteer, like, culture, you know? I mean, all of our ambulances in Italy are, are manned by volunteers. This is something my husband actually went and did during the pandemic. He normally works as a chauffeur, and of course, no tourists. So he ended up going and helping out and manning the ambulances. So this is something that we have. We have professionals who obviously work at the highest level. And then we have all of these you know, volunteers and local associations that really step up when needed. And, uh, and we're seeing a lot of that. Also, of course, we, we can depend on the European Union uh, to provide us with the resources that we need in these sort of situations. So, I mean, we're doing the best that we can, but, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. These situations always are, unfortunately. Helen, have you have has tourism? Have you? We know that the student study abroad programs picked up. Uh, what about tourism? Are you pre-pandemic levels? Are you exceeding that, or is the heat wave putting a damper on some of that for the summer? Oh, oh it would be good if it put a little bit of a damper on it. I mean, we can no longer walk in a straight line, you know, in front of the Duomo. It's we're back to that sort of levels. As locals, we're like, oh, damn, the tourists are back, you know. But for a while there, obviously. We sent out a photographer in the middle of the lockdowns and everything, and we've got this inc 
totally iconic photography of, of Florence with not a soul in the piazza or just the mayor with his head bowed in front of uh, Piazza della Signoria, in front of Palazzo Vecchio. So, of course, we are so grateful that tourism is back. But I don't think any of us expected to have expected it to have accelerated at quite the levels that it has. It feels like, you know, the, the lovers were back in town around Valentine's Day and then and then it never really stopped, you know, after Valentine's Day. So levels are high, prices are extremely high for accommodation. Um, so it's a bit of a struggle for locals, you know what I mean? We'd like to just go out for a pizza and wander across the square, and uh, uh, but everything costs, you know, three or four times, <laughs> three or four euros more than it did back then. And uh, and so, yeah, we're grateful, but it's, it's a struggle. Um, but uh, it, it's great to see everybody back and enjoying Tuscany because let's face it, you know, it, it's made for the world, not just for us. <laughs> and, and tourism was the reason I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago. You were on vacation. I, I believe you're enjoying Wimbledon because uh, you, you're, you're a big tennis freak. And I, I share the, the same. I can't, I don't play, but I share the same passion for tennis. But I reached out because I saw a social media post. It might have been on Instagram or might have been a Facebook from the Florentine that said that, that was talking about Venice's uh, day tourist tax and would would Florence ever do the same and I was like whoa you know as Americans we hear the word tax and we start freaking out right and we we're like do not taxes for anything and it, and it got me thinking would Florence do that and and it, it, would that be productive or would that actually curb tourism and 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 tell people don't come to our city how do you feel about the Venice tax and, and if Florence were to do the same thing I mean, that post that we put out there, that was something that we invented. I want to make this perfectly clear. There is no discussion that I am aware of <laughs> by the city of Florence talking about introducing an entrance ticket to enter the city. You know, there's, there's no discussion that I have heard of. However, Venice and Florence have been working very closely on tourism strategies, you know, over tourism strategies. How do we control uh, the flow of tourism so that it doesn't become too much. It doesn't affect the infrastructure of, of these very delicate UNESCO World Heritage Sites. You know, we need to protect the heritage that we have. So Venice, um, I mean, these are things, they are very good at just setting these things in motion because they can. Geographically, it's actually very straightforward. You're not coming on the island if you haven't paid your fee. You know, they can, they can apply these sort of strategies. Florence, however, of course, you can't do that. Um, it would have to be more considered. And already we have tourism taxes in place. You know, it depends. You pay more if you're staying in a five-star hotel than you do if you're staying in a, in a, in a one-star hotel. So we will see what happens. I don't think this will happen probably in Florence anytime soon. Who knows? Maybe we set the ball rolling. And if that's our fault, then I take it on the nose. You know, people are going to hate the Florentine forever. But, um, you know, the discussions that arose from, from that post were particularly interesting because the Florence lovers, and they're the people that, you know, that we want to encourage to come and, and stay in our city, they are perfectly prepared to pay a little bit extra to make sure that, that the city has what it needs to protect its heritage towards the future. I mean, in terms of a tax in Venice, what they're doing is if you're not staying in the city, you will pay more. You stay longer, you pay less. You know, so it's it's a reward system almost. You know, the more that you come and the more quality of tourism that you bring to these cities, the less you will actually pay. I think that's the way that they want to structure these things. It's interesting. You know, other cities around the world have, have tried to... to 
dispute with these sort of situations. Barcelona, obviously, it has its own strategies as well. So I think it's an important time for us to be discussing these things. So would I be considered a tourist? So I, you know, I try to go every year. I haven't gone. But, you know, now we, we don't really go. We, my wife and I are coming December 5th. I think we arrive. I'd love to have coffee uh, with you if we, if we get a chance. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we come, we stay in a hotel for two, two and a half weeks, and we just relax. It, Am I a tourist at that point, or am I just a, an honorary citizen or, who just comes every year to for to for his holiday? Well, let's just throw that out there. If the mayor Dario Nandela wants to give you the keys to the city, that will change everything. <laughs> you know? As a returner, there should be some rewards, you know. And and the fact that you you do this podcast, that people follow you, that you you're promoting the quality that that uh, that Tuscany and Florence has to offer, I think you'll be okay. I, okay. Think, I think concessions will be made. You are such. A wealth of information and i know our listeners are like it's been so long since we ha- we have to have her on more often i, I would agree uh t- t- talk to those listeners that haven't tuned in for a while on this issue tell them about the florentine and what that has to offer um what the subscriptions like what, what digital content all that stuff yeah i mean the florentine's been around since 2005 and its ethos has always been very simple however much we've grown over the years due to social media website everything else we serve the international community of florence so that might be the students who come and study here returning tourists or international travelers people like me who've lived here for 20 years who occasionally you know we prefer maybe to communicate and read in english than in italian Nowadays, we we act as a bridge, right? So we provide, we feed the Florence lovers around the world with information about what's going on in the city. So news, events, international living, um, new restaurant openings, new exhibitions. We're an arts and culture magazine, but very much focused on the international community. And yeah, there are subscriptions. You can subscribe um, for a PDF, which is better if you're living in the States, obviously, because... There's that lag time. You might get your June issue in September. Who knows? I mean, it's all a bit of a mess in the world right now in terms of logistics. So, yeah, I mean, you can get a PDF subscription, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Um, please buy our products. We publish lots of books and lots of different information. And, yeah, we, we try and be multi-channel in everything that we do. So you mentioned it's the age of collaboration. What did you learn personally? What did the Florentine learn coming out of a pandemic when, when, when you're basically shut down for, you know, two years? What, what, what did you learn through that? I think we learned just how resilient our community is. I mean, there were moments when we were, because we were properly locked down in our houses. I got stopped in the street in the middle of a lockdown when I went out for a walk. I hadn't been out for five days. I was 100 meters from my house and the Carabinieri told me to go home. It was that strict. Um, I was getting messages from readers, from patrons of the magazine, um, offering their support, telling us to keep going. Don't stop. What you're doing is so important. We put together, you know, this TF Together talk series every evening or... Well, it started every evening. It was a bit. It was a bit ambitious. It became every three three days in the end. Um, you know, whole, hosting guests from around the world. Um, we put together this healing not broken um, magazine, which came out on the Friday before Easter in 2020, because we couldn't distribute our magazine. So what's come out of all of this for me is is the strength of this international community in Florence. We look out for one another. 
um, we try and you know help one another out and um, and that is remaining and I just think it's absolutely incredible and I will be eternally grateful you know on a personal and professional level to to everybody who who helped us out so much during those 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 difficult times uh, and, and that, that's inspiring. It, it really is because, and, and I think we saw, you know, our lockdowns weren't as severe as yours. We could, we could still go to the grocery store. We could, I went to work every single day, but I think, I, I think even here and like you had there, people did come together to help one another out the best they could and try to get to them. Cause it's something we've never seen. Right. I mean, it's just, and you learn to adapt and, and learn how are you going to make your business thrive? Who's going to help you out? And that collaborative nature, when people come together, great things happen. I think we see that on a regular basis. I mean, there's just one example that I mentioned. This thing where um, some of our readers bought advertising space, not for themselves, but they gave it to local businesses. So it was helping the magazine, but also helping the businesses that they care about. You know, the, the places you always go back to, that leather guy who makes amazing shoes or the local restaurant where you always go because you just love the sommelier or you love the guy who's, you know, serving you at the table. There was all of this going on. And that, I thought, the power of that was very inspiring indeed. You know, the, the government there seems to be in shambles. Uh, how, how involved do you get with that? And, and, you know, as Americans, we pick on our presidents no matter who they are, but uh, there's still some stability there. There seems to be not much stability uh, there. How, how, how do residents deal with that and, and how do you deal with that? I mean, it's kind of part of life, right, <laughs> in Italy, unfortunately. I think this is the, the third government in three years or something like that. And um, Mario Draghi was, you know, hugely respected by the international community. And we have all this money coming in for the European Union. And, and now it's like, what's going to happen next? Where's all this money going to go? Who's going to manage the energy crisis that we have um, in Europe, who's going to manage the, the wildfire outbreaks, the climate change that's going on. It's, it's a shambles, but we are quite, quite accustomed to this sort of, you know, regular change in government. So we'll see what happens next. I think they're talking about elections as early as September. So we'll see. But it's, uh, it's dramatic and, and we, we cover it to a certain degree. We don't go into huge depth, obviously, because that's more of a national level. And we're more just Florence-based. So. so it's curious to us as Americans, when, when the government collapses like that, do you, is there a lot of apprehension among the populace or is it just another, just another run-of-the-mill change in government? Um, I would say in normal times, it's just par for the course. Right now, there's a quite, quite a lot of anger and dismay because of the current situation, because we're having to tackle so many different emergencies all at once the idea that the the government should be allowed to fall when uh, all of the there's been a huge number of the mayors of italy wrote to to the parliament wrote to the government said please do not allow this to happen we are telling you the italian people do not want the government to fall right now and it seems like the italy's political class just uh, they just didn't listen to to this plea from the local level so there's a lot of anger and, you know, and the problem is that this lead, this can lead to apathy, which is what is the worst, the worst enemy to democracy. And, uh, and obviously we have the far right that's growing in power because they were the only political party that stood against this broad coalition government that we have. So we'll see what happens in September. But at the moment, people are, are, are dismayed and, and concerned. 
Well, uh, we wish you the best, and uh, it's it'll be fun to watch this uh, uh, through your writings and through the Florentine. Uh, I know you're short on time. I do want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. It's very much appreciated. And I'm sorry, Pat had a great idea. Maybe we should just do a, a podcast with you that previews each issue coming out. Now that'd be a lot of your time, but boy, there's so much good content in the Florentine that if we just did a you know a, a 15, 20 minute interview previewing each issue, I, I think that could be a lot of fun and keep us connected. Absolutely. Or maybe we could just do a short slot of sort of news and events in Florence this week or this month. You know, that might be quite fun as well. But let's definitely talk about it. There's going to be a lot going on. There's a lot happening. There's a a new Italian language museum that just opened and we have a new model railway museum. So, you know, in, in a city that's already bursting with culture, there's all of this newness as well. So, yes, let's definitely talk about it. That's great. <laughs> Helen, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us on the Tumble Tuscany podcast, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. So she said in there, there are 40,000 Americans in the region you know, and we were talking about that study abroad. People people go there, they study, and they never leave because they fall in love with Italy or they fall in love with an Italian man or woman and they stay and get married. Yeah, or they just fall in love with Florence. Which is possible. Does the 40,000 number kind of surprise you a little bit? That's a little high. That's what I thought, too. When she said 40,000, I was like, that's a significant number. And there's more people our age. You know, you're a boomer. I'm a, uh, I'm a Generation X. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were the greatest generation. <laughs> I'm not the greatest generation. But, you know, either a late-end boomer or first-part Gen X that are now going, okay, maybe we want to live there. Whether that's full-time or part-time, I think there is an attraction to the lifestyle. But she was also talking about the unstable government in there. There's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts, and you better know what you're getting into when you choose to, to go there and live. Yeah, just don't don't go in without a plan. But, no, do but not. You, if you're like us and you're just a all consumer of all things Italian, especially all things Florence, this the Florentine is the way to go. Well, and I am now a subscriber of the Florentine, and we are encouraging you to be a subscriber of the Florentine. Just go to theflorentine.net. Again, theflorentine.net is where you can uh, check it out. There is a number of subscriptions. You can get the actual paper or magazine style plus a PDF. That's about $38 or $38.50 euro uh, for uh, a one year, which is 11 issues. I went with the, and you heard Helen talk about it. If you're in the United States, getting the actual printed copy may not be in your best interest just because um, it it takes a little while to, to ship. Yeah, you're always in bottom yeah. up. Now, uh-huh. if you want to be sustainable, if you want to be eco-friendly, just get the PDF version, which is what I did, and it's 27.50 euro a year. Now, I did I paid on PayPal today. Did you? And it, the exchange rate was at 93. So the dollar is now worth more than the euro. So it only ended up cost me $23. Oh, that's the way to go. That That's the way to go. And that will be delivered to your inbox uh, when a new issue comes out. And you can get a lot more from uh, the Florentine and the and, and they have a gift shop. You can do all sorts of stuff there. But again, the Florentine.net is where you can go check it out and subscribe. And it's all written in English and you'll get the latest news uh, 11 times a year. It comes out once a month from the Florentine. I, so I, I'm happy to I'm happy to support and happy to subscribe. Absolutely. 
encourage all of you to do that. So uh, if you, and we also encourage you to subscribe to Total Tuscany. You can do that for absolutely free on social media. You can do that on uh, Instagram. You can do that on Facebook. We're over. I, maybe I'm not. Impre- maybe this is an impressive number. We're over three thousand likes and followers on Facebook now. Really? So yeah, it's, it's grown considerably. We still monitor Twitter a little bit. Twitter is not as productive as I would say Instagram and, and Facebook, but you can follow us uh, on those social media channels again, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And don't forget, if you're getting ready to plan your first trip or next trip to Tuscany or Italy, that matter, uh, Pat and I are here to help. Uh, we have aligned ourselves with some of the great tour guides in Tuscany. We've aligned ourselves with some of the great uh, um, um, travel plans in Tuscany and Italy, and we can uh, put people together, make connections to guarantee that you have uh, somebody you trust here in the United States and also somebody you trust in Italy. Because the last thing you want is to be stressed out about going to Tuscany, going to Italy, and not knowing what to expect or what to do. We can help you with that. You know, they, you can do it yourself. They can try to do it themselves. and But the problem is, or, I, I'm a planner, right? Yes. I plan our trips and I plan them. I'm not a planner, by the You're way. You're not the planner. Well, but no, like I'm going in December. My wife and I literally just get on a plane and we show up. But we've been there enough that we feel comfortable we can do that. And we know we know people yes. there. But what's nice for our listeners, if you want us to help plan, not only can we connect you with the right people, but we can get you connected so you're talking with them before yes. you get on the plane. Yes. And, I think that's important. I think that's very important. I, I got an email the other day, totaltuscany at gmail.com. Uh, a gentleman asking, hey, uh, I want to go in, in about a year. I said, that's a perfect planning time, right? Let's reach out. We can help you. And, and it's, it's, it's really at, at no cost to you. So that, that's the, the even, uh, even what's more uh, uh, appealing and, and value about it is that we are connectors and we want to connect you with the right people. So again, totaltuscany at gmail.com for, uh, if you want to start your travel planning and go to Tuscany. For Mr. Pat Companion, I'm Travis Justice. We will talk to you next time on the Total Tuscany Podcast. Mm-hmm.